seven years ago. Tore up from the floor up. Busted, disgusted, couldn't be trusted. I was a lost young man and I was broken. And so Victory Life, they had a solution for me and it was Jesus. I got saved. I got filled with the Holy Ghost and I got baptized with the Holy Ghost. And then I began to pursue my calling because God has a calling for you. And God called me to preach the gospel, to pastor, to shepherd, and to reach the lost in this nation. But this morning, I'm going to continue in the blind spot series that my pastor started. And like he said, you know, it's like a blind spot when you're traveling in a vehicle. And I've actually had this happen to me before to where I looked in the mirror and I didn't see anybody to the left of me. And I began to cut into the left lane and there was somebody there and I almost had a wreck because I was judging my decision making in the car off what I saw in the mirror. And I couldn't see the car because I had a blind spot. And you see, some of us in the church today, we got some blind spots in our spiritual walk with God. And some of us are headed for a wreck, and we don't even see it. And the first one he talked about was pride. But this morning, I'd like to talk about blind spots, and I'd like to talk about dishonor. Dishonor or disrespect. Familiarity. Because sometimes we're blind to familiarity. Familiarity is a killer. And we don't even know it. We don't even see it. We're blind to it. Dishonor disrespect and in Malachi chapter 1 God lets these men have it the word of God says a son honors his father and a servant his master then if I am a father this is God speaking where is my honor and if I am a master where is my respect says the Lord of hosts to you O priest who despise my name but you say how have we despised your name God we're in the temple we're burning the incense we're offering the sacrifices we're showing up we got the robes on we're playing the part we bring the Bible how are we dishonoring your name go to verse 10 verse 7 you are presenting defiled food upon my altar but you say how have we defiled you they're blind to it the priests are blind to it They think they're bringing honor to God by showing up, by playing the part. They're blind to it. They don't see the dishonor, the way they're dishonoring the Lord, the way they're disrespecting the Lord. They don't see it. And as you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. Verse 8. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? If you're going to do it to me, why not do it to the police officer? Why not do it to your boss at work? Ooh wee. They control that paper. Ain't finna do it to him, huh? But we do it to God. Would you be pleased with you or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord? If you disrespected your boss, if you dishonored the police officer, would they love that? Would they take that kindly? But now you will not entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us with such an offering on your part. Will he receive any of you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would not shut the gates that you might not uselessly, uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. Why? Because of dishonor. The things of God become familiar to these priests. Familiarity, dishonor, disrespect. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we welcome your Holy Spirit here this morning in this house. Lord, if we become familiar, God, with church, with our pastors, with our spiritual leaders, with your word, with the way that you move across the waters of our heart, the worship service, the worship leader, any of this, God, after today, don't let it be ordinary no longer to us, God. Don't let it be familiar to us, God. Let us walk out of here with an awe, a wonder of who you are and what you do through the lives of the men and women of God here at Victory Life, God. Let us leave with a changed heart, Father. 
We claim it. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, go ahead and give God some praise. Amen. Come on, look to your neighbor and said, I'm about to show some honor. Look to your other neighbor and say, I'm about to show some respect. I wanted to name it, put some respect on it. Better put some respect on it. Zachariah, that's got a T at the end, not a K. You see, God is asking for the honor he deserves in the scripture. And even the priest, the priest of the temple, the priest, they were living in a state of dishonor and disrespect and they didn't even know it. And then when God goes and rebukes them, they're surprised. They step back and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're in the house of God. We're praying. We're listening to the word. What are you talking about, God? You're you're not okay with where we're at right now. I don't understand what you're saying, God, because I sew up the church. I wear the, the dress shirt. I bring the Bible. Why are you not okay with us? Because of dishonor, because of disrespect, because of familiarity. You see these rituals that the priests began to do in Malachi? It became a habit to them, not a spiritual act of worship. Amen? 1 Timothy 1.17. I'm going to go over some scriptures. I'm going to Bible jump here. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God. Somebody say the only God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Say amen right there. To God be the honor. 1 Samuel 2.30. Far be it from me. And this is God speaking again. He says, those who honor me, I will honor them. Hebrews 13.4. Let your marriage. Hello. Let your marriage be held in honor among all. You see, our society, we're losing honor. We're losing honor in the churches. We're losing honor in the marriages. We're losing honor in the, in the relationship between the kids and the parents. We're losing honor. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth. Yeah, I got it quiet. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your produce. And check this out. Old Testament, Deuteronomy 5, 16. New Testament, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. It says, honor your father and your mother. You get it in the old and you get it in the new. So you can't say that was for the old. No, it's in the new too. Honor your father and your mother. And he goes even farther in Exodus 20, 12. He says, honor your father and your mother. Why? So that your days may be long in the land that your Lord God has given you. And we wonder why we're dying prematurely. But we don't honor our father and mother. Well, my father and mother wasn't a good parent. Well, the scripture doesn't say honor your parents. It says honor your father and your mother. You see, your father and mother could have been a bad parent, but the Bible says you're supposed to honor your father and your mother. Not based on their performance of how they raised you, based on who they are and how they brought you into this world. Hallelujah. You see, you're supposed to honor things that give you life. You honor the Lord your God. You honor the Word of God. You honor your parents. You honor your spiritual parents. Can I get some help this morning? Amen. 1 Timothy 5.17 Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. Somebody say double honor. honor. I feel like we half it. We give them half honor. God takes it a step further and he says, no, you give them double honor. Those who serve well over you. Especially, somebody say especially. Especially. I'm going to dig out here. Especially those who preach and teach the word of God. Why? Because you've got to understand, when you begin to deduce the messenger, you also, because of that, deduce the message. And the message is the word of God, and it comes from God. So when you deduce the speaker, you deduce the message that's coming from the speaker. So you're really dishonoring God. Hello. Romans 12.10. I love this right here. Love one another in brotherly affection. And you get from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Whew. Outdo one another in showing honor. We want to outdo one another in the way we dress and how much scripture we know and how many degrees we got and how much M's in the bank account we got. Y'all like, I ain't got no M's. (laughs) It's the wrong crowd, huh? Yeah. How many bills are paid off? I can say that. I got more bills paid off than you. But the Bible doesn't say outdo each other. like It says outdo one another in showing honor. That's how we need to outdo each other. I'm going to show more honor to you than you show to me. I'm going to honor you more than you honor me. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
Well, are we doing that, church? Amen? Even the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament, four of them are about honoring God. Six of them are about honoring people. Honor. It's about honoring, right? Listen, the kingdom that Jesus comes from and the kingdom that Jesus came to bring, it's a kingdom of honor. Amen? Amen? But you see, we live in a nation that's a democracy. Amen? But Jesus didn't come preaching a democracy. Jesus came preaching a kingdom. And so I heard a preacher say that it gets hard to change the mindset of a people who live in a democracy seven days a week and we only hear words and preachings and sermons preached about a kingdom two days out of that week. So it gets hard to reset our brain to understand how to live and think and breathe in a kingdom because we live in a democracy. Jesus is not the president and you don't get to vote on nothing, Bubba. It's a kingdom. And it's ran by kingdom principles. But it's hard to understand and walk in something you've never seen modeled before you. Amen? And this is what I love. Jesus wasn't just talking about the kingdom to come. You see, he was talking about bringing that kingdom in earth. Amen? So many people just wait. I can't wait for Jesus to return. Oh, I'm just sitting around praying Jesus is going to return. They focus on that. When Jesus was on earth, his, his earthly ministry... When he was here, he was obsessed with bringing the kingdom to the earth. He didn't say, just pray and wait. I'm going to come back for you one day. Just stay where you're at. Just, just wait. Just, I promise you I'm coming back. No, he was obsessed with bringing that kingdom right here, right now. Some of us are desperately trying to get out of the earth. We're desperately trying to get out of the earth. We're obsessed with it. And Jesus wasn't obsessed with that. He was obsessed with bringing the kingdom to earth. And this kingdom is a kingdom of honor. In Matthew 6.33, he tells us what? Seek the kingdom. Sometimes we start seeking all this other stuff. And Jesus said, no, 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 seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom, the kingdom of honor. Amen? When you think about it, when you go to a high-class restaurant, hopefully some of you have been to a high-class restaurant, they got a dress code, right? And this dress code, why do they have a dress code? So you come in there and you look honorable. You should have respect for where you're at. You have honor for where you're at. In the homes, why do we get the, the women and the men to, to have a, a dress code in the church? Because we want to show God that we honor Him. We come in this place because we have a respect for God. We have a respect for the house of God. We have a respect for the things of God. We show honor to God. That's one of the ways we show honor. I mean, sometimes I get twisted thinking about it. Some of us will get real fancy dressed up to go to court to see the judge. But we won't get dressed up to come to church to see the divine judge. That don't make no sense to me. Huh? If you expect God's blessing and favor and you want God to move in your life, it's through honor. I've heard many preachers say that honor is the code to unlocking the favor of God in your life. Honor is the key to accessing what God has for you. Amen? Many people want to sit around and be blessed without showing any honor to the the Lord or things of the Lord. Amen? We we seek God for healing. We seek God for emotional healing, to to, to cast demons out, for provision, without ever coming in the house with a reverence or a fear for the Lord, a respect for the Lord, honoring the Lord. And this word honor, saints, it comes from the Greek word timmy. Somebody say timmy. 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 It means, it means to value something, to bring value to it. And, and, and flip that, dishonor, it comes from a Greek word, which is atimi. Say atimi. Atimi. And it means to treat something as common. That's just common. There's nothing special about that. It's just common. We get in the church, oh, we're just having another church service. Atimi. Oh, the preacher just bringing another word. Atimi. To treat something as common where you're supposed to show honor. I'm getting somewhere, okay? Honor, Webster definition, it's it's to cause, it it brings high respect to something. It brings high esteem to something. And it causes everything around it to elevate when you bring honor to something. Dishonor is to treat something as common, like I said. And and when you begin to dishonor something, everything around that goes down. You bring disrespect to it. You bring disgrace to it, right? Jesus brought a kingdom of honor. And in our churches, we sit around and we're wondering why we don't see miracles. 
And we're wondering why we don't see the demons being casted out. And we're wondering why we don't see people healed. We're wondering why we don't see these miracles that the Bible tells us we should see. Because we've lost our honor for the Lord. We've lost the respect for the things of God. We've lost the reverence. Amen? Saints, and honoring God is not something that happens naturally. It doesn't come just naturally. And I'm not even talking about just outward manifestations of honor, right? Like some churches covering the altar, being silent in the house of God during, during church functions, kneeling down, reciting prayers, all that's good stuff, right? And it instills a, a lifestyle in people like we do in the home. It instills a lifestyle. It helps train you to, 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 to this Christian walk, this Christian life. But that's not, I'm not talking about the outward manifestations of honor. I'm talking about honor that comes from the heart. Amen? Because even Jesus told us in Matthew 15, he said, listen, there's a people, they honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. Amen? You see, honor can be displayed through actions, through deeds. It can be displayed through word, through communication. Honor can even be displayed through the way you think about somebody. But honor originates in the heart. Real honor originates in the heart. Right? In Malachi, these priests, they stopped seeing the temple and the functions of the temple and God and what happened in the temple. They stopped seeing it as supernatural. They stopped seeing it as special. They stopped showing honor. They were bringing, the, the, the Lord said, bring sacrifices, and they would pick a goat that was lame and sick, and they would bring it to the altar and say, Here, Lord. Right? They wanted to keep the best of the best for them, and they wanted to bring God the worst. Hello. But I'm, I'm doing it, Lord. I'm bringing the, the offering. I'm bringing my worship. I'm bringing my praise. They lost the respect. They lost the honor. Amen? Romans 121. This is heavy right here. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Rome. He said, they knew God, but they didn't honor him. So this shows me that it's possible to know God, but not honor him. You can know him the way you're supposed to know him, but you can have a lack of honor for him even though you know him. Familiarity. Say that, familiarity. familiarity. We cannot let familiarity sneak into our churches, sneak into our marriages, sneak into our relationships, sneak into to, to our ministries. We cannot let familiarity sneak in because familiarity, familiarity breeds disloyalty. Okay? When people become familiar... They lose respect for the person or the function or the house. And then they begin to cross boundaries that they never should have crossed. And familiarity, it makes people say things that they should never say. Right? Likely candidates to be struck by a spirit of familiarity, ministers' wives and ministers' husbands. Yeah, they're likely candidates to, to, to be struck by a spirit of familiarity. Because we see the man of God up there preaching and then we got to go home with him. Amen? Yeah, my wife tells me all the time. Number two, relatives. They're likely candidates to be struck with a spirit of familiarity. My mom and dad come, they say, man, I, I know what he used to do. He can preach all day long. I know who he is. Right? Familiarity. Number three, close friends. Close friends. Likely candidates to get struck with a spirit of familiarity. You could be anointed by God. You could, God could just be leading you in all your ways. But because you're my close friend, you can't receive me the way God wants you to receive me. A spirit of familiarity. Right? And I was sitting back there, right there in worship. In worship, I love, because sometimes in worship, that's when God will speak to me the awesome things. Not when I'm seeking for a word, but when I'm worshiping the Lord. He speaks to me, right? And he told me, I said, God, what's the problem? And he told me, he said, son, the problem is people's maturity don't match up to the length of time they've been around. Because sometimes some people have been around a long time 
and they have access to our inner circle. They have access to our life. They have access to our habits. They have access to our weak points. They have access to our flaws. They have access to our faults. And because the maturity doesn't match how long they've been in our life, they begin to be immature and they see the flaws in you and they say, you're not from God. You're not God's spokesman. God didn't use you. Because of sin, sin snuck in, complacency, like my pastor said, you're here, you're seeking God, but not with a whole heart. So God can't develop you and mature you and mold you the way he's trying to do. But you've been around a long time, so you see things that other people don't see. And then you've got to get in this church and receive from that person that you just saw with a flaw. And a spirit of familiarity won't let you receive. So guess who's losing? You are. God had a word for you this morning. Huh? We crossed a line. I told my pastor, I went, pastor took me to Fort Worth. And you know, I'm a pastor now, so pastor tries to deal with me in a different way, right? I'm not some 19-year-old punk kid that just come in the home, right? His perception of me has changed, right? And so he tries to, he tries to you know, treat me in a, a different way. Before it was like he took me to a stage where he had to be hard on me, he had to discipline me, so I'd stop doing stupid stuff, right? Now I'm at a point where I don't do stupid stuff no more. So he can change the way he communicates with me and the way he deals with me. And I remember I was in, I was in the, the hotel room with him, and uh, he was needing something ironed, and he's like, no, 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 son, I got it. And I was like, no, Pastor, let me iron it. Just because I'm at where I'm at doesn't mean I lose my honor for my pastor. Doesn't mean I lose my respect for my pastor. I don't have a problem ironing my pastor's clothes. Because I honor the man of God in my life. Because I respect the man of God in my life. And if anyone in this place knows the most flaws about him, after Mother Heather, it's probably me. And I still respect the man of God. And I still honor the man of God. Because I know that's God's anointed. And the familiarity ain't going to stop me from getting what I need from the man of God. Amen? Go to Matthew chapter 13. Let me throw some Bible at it. I just look like this. Some of us just aren't mature enough to be hanging with the pastor or the church leader. That's the truth. We're not there yet. Amen. And sometimes I ask God, I say, God, I, sometimes, I, you know, the, the enemy be beating me up like, you're not good at uh, having relationships with people. That's what the enemy be telling me. And I, I'm not, you're not good at starting new relationships and, and having relationships. And then God tells me, well, sometimes God keeps people at a distance because he wants to use you to get them to where they need to be. Amen. Amen. Matthew 13, 53. Here we go. And the word of God says. Amen. And when Jesus had finished these parables, and if you look in the chapter, this chapter, the parables, he's talking about the kingdom. The kingdom's like a treasure hidden in a field. And the kingdom's like a, a, a dragnet. And the kingdom's like this. And the kingdom's like that. He just got done preaching the kingdom. Talking about the kingdom. Because he loves the kingdom. That's all. He's kingdom this, kingdom that. Seek the kingdom. That's what he's talking about. He just got finished teaching about the kingdom. And it says he departed from there. And he came to his hometown. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, when my pastor asked me to preach here, there's, there's, a, there's something that rises up in me, a joy, a special honor, a reverence. I love Maybank. I love that God sent me there. Sometimes I have my challenges in understanding why God sent me there and what's going on there. But I know that I need to be faithful where God has me now because it's not my conclusion. It's not my final stepping stone. It's what God's using me to mold me and train me. I understand that. I like preaching at Maybank, but there's just a special honor about preaching here at my home church. I love preaching in my home church. I'm victory life raised. I'm victory life bred. I'm victory homegrown. Hallelujah. And so I love preaching here. I love teaching here. I mean, I get excited, right? And this is probably how Jesus was feeling. He's coming in his hometown. He's just been clearing out hospitals. He's been casting out legions of demons. He's been, he been performing miracles and signs. And he's like, come on, boys. We're going to hometown. We're going home. We're going to go home and do some miracles. And it says he began teaching because he starts off teaching. 
and their synagogue so that they were astonished. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is this not the carpenter's son? Hey, man, that's Jesse's son. I mean, all he knows is construction. He don't know nothing about no God. He, he, built, the, he built my grandma's chairs. He don't know nothing. He's over here talking about he's the Messiah and he's anointed by God and he's going to do healings and he's going to perform miracles. His mother's Mary. And you know what happened there? That's a scandal in itself. She be running around talking about she pregnant with a Lord baby. Yeah, come on. We know who this dude is. Phony. And his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Jude, we know his whole family. His Judas owe me money. We know them. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where did this man get all these things? Ooh. And they took offense at him. How many know when you cross that line of familiarity with the men of God in your life? Right? And you're not mature enough to handle it, those boundaries? You're number one likely candidate to get offended. Y'all hear me? But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Go to Mark real quick. Mark chapter 6. Let me cross-reference it for all you people that say I don't cross-reference enough. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Going through 6. Come on, you got to keep up. The word of God says, Jesus went out from there, teaching about the kingdom to his hometown. His disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many listeners were astonished, saying, Where does, here we go again, where does man get these things? And what is the wisdom given to him in such miracles as he's performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. Oh, my gosh. Read it with me. And he could do no miracle there. Let's say it again. And he could do no miracle there. You see, it didn't say Jesus wouldn't do no miracle there. Because we could understand that. That's his will. That's his choice. But the Bible says Jesus couldn't do no miracle there. Except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. The towns he just came from, he's clearing out hospitals. He comes to hometown and he healed three headaches. Uh-huh. So we see God, God's still going to move. God's still going to show up. God will always meet a need. But we're not going to see the signs and the miracles and the wonders like he did in the other towns. At the hometown, why? Because of familiarity. Because of dishonor. Because of disrespect. Y'all hear me? And we need to understand, we need to get grasp this. Because if something restricts Jesus, you got to know that it's going to restrict you. If something restrains Jesus, we need to dig in here and say, well, let's understand this, because whatever restrains Jesus is most definitely going to restrain us, right? Well, what changed? It wasn't Jesus. Jesus didn't change. Oh, well, Zechariah, he lost the anointing. He didn't lose the anointing. Oh, his gifts, he gave his gifts away. Remember, he emptied himself, became like man. No, he was fully man, fully God, and he was anointed by God. The same Jesus that did all those miracles and healings in his hometown, that's the same Jesus. So nothing changed in Jesus, but something with the people was different. Their perception of Jesus was different because they had dishonor. They had disrespect for Jesus. They were familiar with Jesus. You see, the image of what the Messiah, they were told growing up by the Old Testament and what was preached to them, the image they had in their mind, what the Messiah would look like, it didn't match up with Jesus. They're like, man, that can't be the Messiah. And can I tell you something? A lot of times, God will send exactly what you need in a package you don't like. Amen? Some of y'all right now are getting it. I don't like Zachariah. I'm getting something right now. Woo, revelation, hallelujah. Yeah, you receive someone the way you perceive them. 
You remember, you remember when Jesus was at the well? The woman at the well? You remember that? He comes up and he's like, he's, you know, she's a Samaritan woman. He's Jew. All she sees is a dirty Jew. Ooh, dirty Jew. Right? Jesus comes up and she says, lady, he's, uh, I'm thirsty. Give me some water. And she probably getting asked, who are you? Talking about I'll give you some water. You Jews ain't never not nothing to do nothing with us, Samaritans, unless you want something. Right? Got an attitude. Man, get your own water. Dirty Jew. Right? That's what the lady's saying. The Samaritan, you know, had a conflict. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, okay. I got to get profit with it. He said, lady, go get your husband. And she said, I ain't got no husband. He said, you said right. You got five of them. Instantly, boom. Sir, I perceive you a prophet. I think you a prophet. Why? Her perception of Jesus changed in that moment. Amen? Because you receive someone the way you perceive them. However you perceive somebody, that's how you're going to receive them. If I'm just a young, uh, uh, prideful, arrogant, uh, uh, little uh, whippersnapper to you, you may not receive me the way God wants you to receive me. And guess who's missing out? You are. Amen? Yeah. They withheld honor from Jesus because of the way they viewed him. Matthew 10, 41. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, guess what? You're going to receive a prophet's reward. Some of y'all be looking at prophets and all you see is the outer man. I ain't receiving him. He don't fit with what I like. And guess what? And the reward is withheld. Are you hearing me? Dishonor restricted Jesus from moving like he usually did. Dishonor shuts down what God put in people for you. If we don't properly honor people, then we're going to lose out access to what God had for us. Are y'all hearing me? And then we question ourselves, how much in my life is being restricted because of the way I dishonor people? Because of the way I disrespect people? Right? It's like in one of those things he was talking about the kingdom. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a field. And somewhere out in that field is a treasure. And what does the man do? The man finds the treasure and he don't pocket that treasure and run out. He goes and he buys the whole field. You see, some of us want the treasure without the field. But the only way you get the treasure is to buy the whole field. There's treasure inside of me. But the only way you're going to get it is if you accept all of me. Amen? It's like eating crawfish. I tell people all the time, it's like eating crawfish. You don't get to just get the little tails. You got to get the whole crawfish. Pop that sucker open. Get the tail out of there. Throw away the shell. You got to get the whole crayfish to get the good meat. Some of y'all just want to go to the store and get the meat and eat the crawfish. Amen? Crawfish is good. Why y'all looking like that? <laughs> There's something miraculous that happens when we begin to honor what we're supposed to honor. The scripture tells us to honor where honor is due. Some of us know where honor is due, but we ain't about to honor. Because last week, pride. Yeah, I'm coming right behind my pastor. Pride. Some of us, it's not that we don't know we have disrespect and dishonor and familiarity. We're not blind to it. Some of us know we're supposed to honor somebody because we've been in this thing. But because of our pride, we refuse to honor that person. When honor goes up, blessings come down. Amen. Amen. Romans 13, 7, give honor where honor is due. And listen, saints, honor has to do with you. Honor is never taken. Honor is only given. Some of you know what I'm saying? You can't take honor from somebody. Somebody has to give honor. It has to do with you. Amen? Mark 6.3. Go back to Mark 6.3. The inverse. And he says, and they took offense at him. They got offended. Why? Because they were familiar with that person. Huh? Sometimes our familiarity with people <clears throat> limits the relationship to just what it is, just an ordinary relationship. 
And then guess what? The first time so-and-so begins to do something God tells them to do to you, for you, you get offended. Right? And can I tell you something? Those who are offended easily, they're going to be the ones that begin to dishonor. Because what happens is an offended person begins to dishonor who offended them to try to justify their offense. Are y'all hearing me? And can I tell you a little secret? You can't have the Holy Ghost in an offended heart. Huh? You can't have the Holy Ghost and have all these offenses to everybody. The devil is a liar. The Holy Ghost comes near you and he smells a foul stench. I ain't finna reside right there. He thinking ugly about them people. We see it all the time. Somebody gets offended. They lose the respect and honor for whoever offended them. Right? And then they go around and click up and they begin to dishonor the people that offended them. Y'all ain't hearing me. Listen, I heard a preacher say the other day, I was in the gym with pastor and it was, it was like, boom. He said, there's a pastoral genocide going on right now in our churches. Do you know what that means? That means there's a spirit, there's, there's, there's an awakening that the devil's bringing into the church to try and take church leaders out, to try and take pastors out, to try and take worship leaders out, to try and take prophets and preachers out. And it's a, it's a genocide that's happening. And what the enemy's doing is he's placing offenses in people's heart. And these people are running around trying to get more people to join their clique and say, man, that man of God is not a man of God. And they disrespect him and they dishonor him. It's happening in our churches. But guess what? The Bible says, whatever a man soweth, he shall also reap. Some of us think we, we are against that law of sowing and reaping. We run around sowing disrespect and dishonor and manipulation and discrediting the men of God and the people of God thinking we're going to reap a blessing. What? If you're going to leave, I heard the preacher say this, if you're going to leave, leave in honor. Leave in honor. Leave in honor. Amen. To dishonor something is to steal reputation from somebody, to steal their influence, right? To steal people's thoughts and mindsets about how people view that person. And then you turn around and want God to bless it. You want God to endorse the thief. Because you're stealing reputations and you're stealing mindsets and you're stealing loyalties. And you look up at God and you say, God bless it. Okay. Amen. Luke 5, 17. I'm almost done. Luke 5, 17. Turn your neighbor and say, I'm about to start honoring everybody. Everybody. He can preach, but he can't talk. I'm from the south. Luke 5, 17, the Word of God reads. One day he was teaching. Oh, here we go. And there were some Pharisees and some teachers of the law. And they were sitting there. And they'd come from every village of Galilee, in Judea, and from Jerusalem. Right there. And the power of the Lord was present to perform healing. These people were there, and the Bible says the power of God was there. The power of God was there to heal. The power of God was there to do miracles. Keep going. Verse 18. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, and they came down through the tiles with the stretcher. We had that happen here a couple down. Come through the tiles. They've done that a few times. I think they're trying to find Jesus. Um, into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus, seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. They knew they had to get to, they honored Jesus. They, respect, they knew they just had to get to Jesus. They held Jesus with a, a standard of high esteem, quality, right? 
That guy got healed. Boom, healed. And look, the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. In other translations, it says they began to think. They began to think. Not talk, not act, not do something. They began to think. Who is this man? Who's this man that blasphemes? Who says he can forgive sins? Only God alone can do that. But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, aware of their thoughts. You see, some of us, we, we dishonor the mess out of people, but we don't show it. We just thinking it. And Jesus says, but I know what you're thinking. I see what you're thinking, Bubba. Amen? Why, why are you thinking like this in your hearts? Keep going. Which is easier to say your sins have been forgiven or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth and to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, he said, hey, paralytic, he said, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home, man. Immediately, he got up before them. Dude been paralyzed, just got healed. They seen a miracle. They witnessed a miracle. He got up what he'd been lying on, and he went home glorifying God. Come on, give God some praise, hallelujah. God has the power to heal. He's He's got the power to perform miracles, amen. But check this out. It says the power of God was there to heal everybody and do a miracle. But the Pharisees didn't see none of this healing. They didn't see any of these miracles. These people are getting healed around them. They're getting lost in the presence. They're seeing these signs, these wonders, these miracles, but the Pharisees are sitting back and they're saying, man, who is this Jesus guy? He's got prostitutes following him. He's got the mafia following him. Tax collectors were the mob back then. They're mafia. He's got the mafia following him. He's got prostitutes following him. Who is this guy? And because of dishonor, they didn't see the miracles that other people that were around in the same sitting saw. Hello. Sometimes dishonor, disrespect, familiarity, it'll shut you off to what God's doing. And you look around, everybody else getting healed, everybody else seeing miracles, everybody else seeing God move, experiencing God in a radical way. And you're sitting there like, why? why?" Because it's become ordinary to you. You've lost the honor. You've lost the respect. Amen? Who walked away that day with a miracle? The paralytic. Worship team, you can come up. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 and 10. I really want us to walk away today and say, man... You know, he's right. We, we got to have honor for the things of God. We need to respect the men of God in our life. We need to have honor for the house of God. We need to bring honor in this place. And it says, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him imploring him. So centurion, Roman centurion. Romans conquered the Jews. So you see conqueror coming to someone that's conquered. You got a centurion, someone that's with Rome, coming to a Jew that got conquered, right? In the natural, you'd say the centurion is over Jesus. In the natural, right? And he says, in saying, Lord, he's talking to Jesus, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And this one, come to another. And he comes and and comes into my slave, do this. And he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled. He marveled and he said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I've not found such a great faith with anyone in Israel. Check this out. The Pharisees, Sadducees, they had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. They did all the church functions. They knew, they knew ministry in and out. They knew ministry in and out. They knew all the church stuff, all this or that. This centurion, he don't know none of that. And he's coming to somebody that in the natural is lesser than him. So in the natural, what he's doing is crazy in the natural. He don't know none of that ministry stuff. He don't know what you do in the temple. He don't know the first five books. But do you know what he did know? He did know the principle of honor. He understood honor. And he come to Jesus. And with his words, his behavior, his actions, he honored him. And honor gave the centurion access to a miracle. Amen. It gave him access to a miracle. Honor. A reverence, a respect. Amen. Why do you think the enemy 
wants to plant seeds of disrespect and dishonor so bad towards your leadership in your heart. He's trying to shut you off to God. He's trying to deny you access to what God wants to put in you through these people, through this ministry, through this church, through the pastors, through your leaders in the home. He wants to shut you off. Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9, 18 through 27. What's he got in Genesis? In this passage of Scripture, there's two different spirits that we're going to see. There's a spirit of honor, and there's also a spirit of dishonor. We're going to 27. It said, Now the sons of Noah who came out of the ark... sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth and Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah and from the whole earth was populated. And so Noah, 40 days and 40 nights on the ark, who is he with? He's with family. He's with animals. You know, you had elephants, giraffes, zebras, in-laws. <laughs> he had all kinds of animals in that boat. Amen. Verse 20, then Noah began farming and planted a vineyard. Verse 21, he drank of the wine and became drunk. Some of you are like, I don't blame him. 40 days with an in-law. <laughs> I'd be drunk too. That's the, you know, he, that better murder. They <laughs> don't blame him. Some of you, oh, he got drunk. You would too. I do two days and I start thinking crazy. I'm being honest. Amen. He drank of the wine and became drunk and he uncovered himself in his tent. So we got the father. We got the spiritual leader. We got the man who has the power to bless with what he says. To speak things into existence. Noah. Come on now. Because of Noah, we're here today. Amen. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and he told his two brothers outside. The spiritual leader, the pastor of the father, begins to show his flesh. Shows his weakness. And the first guy on the scene is Ham. And he comes up and he, he sees his father. He sees his pastor. He sees his leader. And he sees the flesh side of that person. And what does he do? Oh, I'm going to run over here now. Look what he did. He's, he's drunk. He's naked. He's this. He's that. He sees the flesh side. He sees the weakness. And he runs to the first person he can see and he begins to tell him, Oh, he did this. He did that. He did this. He did that. That's childish, man. Right? But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon their father on both their shoulders. And they walked backward. And they covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were even turned away so that they wouldn't see their father's nakedness. And when Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. Listen, let me be real with you. There's things I know about powerful men of God. And guess what? If some of you knew it, you would love to run around and tell everybody. Amen? There's a certain level of maturity that has to take place in your life to understand we're all flesh. We all have weaknesses. We all have faults. We all have flaws. Some of you would love to get your hands on some of that juicy information. Run around and tell everybody. Right? Maybe God's testing you to see if you'll show honor. I'm not talking about endorsing sin and covering sin. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you see the, the human side of those people in your life, the flaws, the faults, right? There was a spirit of dishonor working in Ham, and there was a spirit of honor working in Shem and Japheth. Amen? They honored their father. They said, I see this side of you, right? But I'm going to cover, and I'm not going to run around and tell everybody this side of you. A spirit of honor working in their life. And check this out. A lot of people say, oh, Ham was cursed. That's not what the word says. The word, now this is heavy right here. This is heavy. It didn't say Ham was cursed. Let's read. And so he said, cursed be Canaan. Do you know who Canaan was? He was Ham's son. 
Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants. He shall be to his brothers. Keep going. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. Let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge the fat and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. Can I tell you something? If we don't get a hold of this disrespect, this dishonor that's permeating our churches, our nation, the generation rising up, we're going to be cursed. They're not going to have access to the blessings that we had. They're going to be down and out the generations to come because of the disrespect, the dishonor. It says the generations after him were cursed. His sons were cursed. His daughters were cursed because of the disrespect and the dishonor that he had for his father. Why do you think now all these generations are rising up? It's cool to be disrespectful. Whoever's the most disrespectful to the parents, to the teacher, to the cops, you know, they're the cool ones. Yeah, yeah, popularize it. Because the enemy's trying to sneak in. He wants to bring a cursing to a whole generation. He's not satisfied with just you. He wants to, a whole generation to be cursed. And so this shows me, this, this is very, this is, this is concrete. This will sober you up. If you don't catch this, your sons and daughters are going to be cursed. Uh-huh. Stand to your feet in this place. Ham had a spirit of dishonor working in his life. Shem and Japheth had a spirit of honor working in their life. And so I ask you this morning, as this worship team is about to lead us in worship, and the altar is going to be open, you can come hit your knees. Pray whatever you need to pray. Right? The altar is where, where a man or woman can come meet God. Amen? But I ask you today, are you giving honor where honor is due? Or have you crossed the line of familiarity in your life? with the house of God, the people of God, the things of God, and no longer so respect, no longer so honor. Because didn't the scripture say those who lead well among you in the, in the church and in, in, in ministry and in, in, in preach and teach, show them double honor. Ooh-wee. So honor ain't even enough. It says double honor. Honor your father and your mother. Honor your marriage. Honor your leaders. Honor outdo one another in honor. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for the word that you've given us, God. Lord, I pray, God, that right now something begins to change in the lives of those, God, who have become familiar, who struggle with the spirit of familiarity to your people and to your word and to your house and to the things about you, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you forgive us, God, for disrespecting your name, for dishonoring your house, for dishonoring your people, God. Forgive us our sins, God, and bestow a grace upon us, Father, to give honor where honor is due, Lord. God, we love you, we worship you, and we do esteem you higher than anything else in our lives, Father. And if that's your prayer, begin to open your mouth to God and begin to tell him